Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friend at The Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same top menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is... Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in the Manual for Teachers and continuing the section, What are the Characteristics of God's Teachers? from paragraph find it here eight eighteen and the heading generosity is where we'll begin and uh we'll complete that section today and at the top of the hour we'll pause touch in with our lesson for the day which is lesson 341 i can't attack but my own sinlessness And it is only that which keeps me safe. <clears throat> and yeah, it looks like I don't believe Fran will be with us this morning. So we are looking for volunteers to lead that uh, lesson. Again, lesson 341. I can attack but my own sinlessness. And it is only that which keeps me safe. So uh, let me ask you, Laurie, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for the call? Um, yeah, I do, Lemoyne. When I read, read the phrase, how pure, how holy, how sacred, then are we abiding in your smile, I couldn't but help. I couldn't help but think of Helen's poem, The Singing Read, from her book, The Gifts of God. Um, It just really says it all. The Singing Read. My eyes would look upon the Son of God. For this I came. For this I came to overlook the world and see in it forgiven, understand its holiness is but the truth in me. The Christ walks forth in every step I take. God shines within me, lighting up the world in radiant joy. The Holy Spirit comes with me, lest I should turn and lose the way. For God has given me a goal to reach and has made certain that I cannot fail. So he gave me eyes to see beyond appearances and shadows. And I will see the Son of God exactly as he is. And in that sight, is all the world transformed and blessed forever with the love of God. 
how holy are my footsteps, which would go to do the will of God, whose son I am, and how forever perfect is my will, which is in no way separate from his own. How pure, how safe, how holy, how sacred, then are we abiding in your smile. Lesson 341. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Uh, okay. Um, well, on today's list, I have with us in reading, I have <coughs> um, Lori. Karen, Jessica, Jennifer, and Robin Marie. And in listening, I have Harrison and and Jessica. Excuse me, Harrison and Judy. Is there anyone else who's joined us this morning? I would like to say good morning and maybe join the reading list. All right, I'll go ahead and get us started in the reading then. Within the Manual for Teachers, Section 4, what are the characteristics of God's teachers? Under the heading Generosity. Paragraph 18. The term generosity has special meaning to the teacher of God. It is not the usual meaning of the word. In fact, it is a meaning that must be learned and learned very carefully. Like all the other attributes of God's teachers, this one rests ultimately on trust, for without trust, no one can be generous in the true sense. To the world, generosity means quote, giving away in the sense of, quote, giving up. To the teachers of God, it means giving away in order to keep. This has been emphasized throughout the text and the workbook, but it is perhaps more alien to the thinking of the world than many other ideas in our curriculum. Its greater strangeness lies merely in the obviousness of its reversal of the world's thinking. In the clearest way possible, and at the simplest of levels, the word, generosity, means the exact opposite to the teachers of God and to the world. Um, Maury. Oh, generosity. The term generosity has special meaning to the teacher of God. 
It's not the usual meaning of the word. In fact, it is a meaning that must be learned and learned very carefully. Like all the other attributes of God's teachers, this one rests ultimately on trust. For without trust, no one can be generous in the true sense. To the world, generosity means, quote-unquote, giving away, in the sense of, quote-unquote, giving up. To the teachers of God, it means giving away in order to keep. This has been emphasized throughout the text in the workbook, but it is perhaps more alien to the thinking of the world than many other ideas in our curriculum. Its greater strangeness lies merely in the obviousness of its reversal of the world's thinking. In the clearest way possible, and at the simplest levels, simplest of levels, the word means the exact opposite to the teachers of God and to the world. The teacher of God is generous out of self-interest. This does not refer, however, to the self the world speaks of. The teacher of God does not want anything he cannot give away because he realizes it would be valueless to him by definition. What would he want it for? He could only lose because of it. He could not gain. Therefore, he does not seek what only he could keep because that is a guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he be... Why should he ensure himself of pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God and therefore his Son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity, protecting them forever for himself. Thank you, Lori. And Karen. 19. The teacher of God is generous out of self-interest. This does not refer, however, to the self the world speaks of. The teacher of God does not want anything he cannot give away because he realizes it would be valueless to him by definition. What would he want it for? He could only lose because of it. He could not gain. Therefore, he does not seek what only he could keep. Because that is a guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he ensure himself pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God. And therefore, for his son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity, protecting them forever for himself. Patience. Paragraph 20. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is certain outcome, at a time perhaps unknown as yet, but not in doubt. The time will be as right as is the answer. And this is true for everything that happens now or in the future. 
The past as well held no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen. Perhaps it was not understood at the time. Even so, the teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. Patience is natural to those who trust. Sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time. No outcome already seen or yet to come can cause them fear. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Okay. Patience. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is certain outcomes at a time perhaps unknown as yet, but not in doubt. The time will be as right as is the answer. And this is true for everything that happens now or in the future. The past as well held no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen. Perhaps it was not understood at the time. Even so, the teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. Patience is natural to those who trust. Sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time, no outcome already seen or yet to come and cause them fear. Faithfulness. The extent of the teacher of God's faithfulness is the measure of his advancement in the curriculum. Does he still select some aspects of his life to bring to his learning while keeping others apart? If so, his advancement is limited and his trust not yet firmly established. Faithfulness is the teacher of God's trust in the word of God to set all things right, not some, but all. Generally, his faithfulness begins by resting on just some problems, remaining carefully limited for a time. To give up all problems to one answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And that alone is faithfulness. Nothing but that really deserves the name. Yet each degree, however small, is worth achieving. Readiness, as the text notes, is not mastery. Thank you, Jess. Jessica, thank you, Jessica, and Jennifer. Faithfulness, 21. The extent of the teacher of God's faithfulness 
is the measure of his advancement in the curriculum, does he still select some aspects of his life to bring to his learning while keeping others apart? If so, his advancement is limited and his trust not yet firmly established. Faithfulness is, is the teacher of God's trust in the word of God to set all things right. Not some, but all. Generally, his faithfulness begins by resting on just some problems, remaining carefully limited for a time. To give up all problems to one answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And that alone is faithfulness. Nothing but that really deserves the name. Yet each degree, however small, is worth achieving. Readiness, as the text notes, is not mastery. (laughs) 22. True faithfulness however, does not deviate. Being consistent, it is wholly honest. Being unswerving, it is full of trust. Being based on fearlessness, it is gentle. Being certain, it is joyous. And being confident, it is tolerant. Defenselessness attends it naturally, enjoys its condition. Faithfulness then combines in itself the other attributes of God's teachings. It implies acceptance of the word of God and his definition of his son. It is to them that that faithfulness is the true sense is always directed. Toward them it looks, seeking until it finds, and having found, it rests quiet certainty on that alone to which all faithfulness Thank you, Jennifer. And Robin Marie. Twenty-two. True faithfulness, however, does not deviate. Being consistent, it is wholly honest. Being unswerving, it is full of trust. Being based on fearlessness, it is gentle. Being certain, it is joyous. And being confident, it is tolerant. Defenselessness attends it naturally, and joy is its condition. Faithfulness, then, 
combines in itself the other attributes of God's teachers. It implies acceptance of the Word of God and His definition of His Son. It is to them that faithfulness in the true sense is always directed. Toward them it looks, seeking until it finds. And having found, it rests in quiet certainty on that alone to which all faithlessness is due. Open-mindedness, 23. The centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last of the attributes the teacher of God acquires, is easily understood when its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the mind against God's teacher, so open-mindedness invites capital him to come in. As condemnation judges the Son of God as evil, so open-mindedness permits him to be judged by the voice for God on his behalf. As the projection of guilt upon him would send him to hell, so open-mindedness lets Christ's image be projected on him. Only the open-minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. Thank you, Robin Murray. And is there a new reader for 23 and 24? I can read Lemoyne if you need me. Great, Lana. Would you read 23 and 24? Okie dokie. Open-mindedness. The centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last of the attributes the teacher of God acquires, is easily understood when its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the mind against God's teacher, so open-mindedness invites him capital H, to come in. As condemnation judges the Son of God as evil, so open-mindedness permits him to be judged by the voice for God on his behalf. As the projection of guilt upon him would send him to hell, so open-mindedness lets Christ's image be projected on him. Only the open-minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. 24. How do the open-minded forgive? They have let go all things that would prevent forgiveness. They have in truth abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy so glorious they could never have conceived of such a change. Nothing is now as it was formerly. Formerly, 
nothing but sparkles now which seemed so dull and lifeless before. And above all are all things welcoming, for threat is gone. No clouds remain to hide the face of Christ. Now is the goal achieved. Forgiveness is the final goal of the curriculum. It paves the way for what goes far beyond all learning. The curriculum makes no effort to exceed its legitimate goal. Forgiveness is its single aim at which all learning ultimately converges. It is indeed enough. Thank you, Lana. And is there another new reader for uh, 24 and 25? Hi, this is Sarah. I think I can do that. Great. Thank you. Um, Okay. Correct me if I start in the wrong place. How do the open-minded forgive? They have let go all things that would prevent forgiveness. They have, in truth, abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy so glorious they could never have conceived of such a change. Nothing is now as it was formerly. Nothing but sparkles now, which seems so dull and lifeless before. And above all, are all things welcoming, for threat is gone. No clouds remain to hide the face of Christ. Now is the goal achieved. Forgiveness is the final goal of the curriculum. It paves the way for what goes far beyond all learning. The curriculum makes no effort to exceed its legitimate goal. Forgiveness is its single aim at which all learning ultimately converges. It is indeed enough. You may have noticed that the list of attributes of God's teachers does not include things that are the Son of God's inheritance, terms like love, sinlessness, perfection, knowledge, and eternal truth do not appear in this context. They would be most inappropriate here. What God has given is so far beyond our curriculum that learning but disappears in its presence. Yet, while its presence is obscured, the focus properly belongs on the curriculum. It is the function of God's teachers to bring true learning to the world. Properly speaking, it is unlearning that they bring, for that is, quote, true learning in the world. It is given to the teachers of God to bring the glad tidings of complete forgiveness to the world. Blessed indeed are they, for they are the bringers of salvation. Thank you, Sarah. And is there a new reader to conclude the 25? I will. Wait a moment. 25. 
you may have noticed that the list of attributes of God's teachers does not include those things which are the Son of God's inheritance. Terms like love, sinlessness, perfection, knowledge, and eternal truth do not appear in this context. They would be most inappropriate here. What God has given is so far beyond our curriculum that learning but disappears in its presence. Yet while its presence is obscured, the focus probably probably belongs on the curriculum. It is the function of God's teachers to bring true learning to the world. Properly speaking, it is unlearning that they bring. So that is, quote, true learning, unquote, in the world. It is given to the teachers of God to bring the glad tidings of complete forgiveness to the world. Blessed indeed are they, for they are the bringers of salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Harrison. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. What's your sense, Lori? I think if we read it, read it again, which y'all did yesterday, it'll it will uh, take us past the top of the hour. But I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, <laughs> yes, that's okay. I mean, I could yes. carry on or try and summarize. Usually is faithfulness and open-mindedness, and they summarize it very well on their own. So, um, yeah, in the effort to give people a new paragraph, uh, I would just reverse the list. Is there anyone who needs to drop out? Okay. Um, deal with any of that as it comes. Okay, I would say then first uh, is you, Harrison. Would you just read uh, the generosity and then just paragraph 18? Sure. Generosity. The term generosity has special meaning to the teacher of God. It is not the usual meaning of the word. In fact, it is a meaning that must be learned and learned 
very carefully. Like all the other attributes of God's teachers, this one rests ultimately on trust. For without trust, no one can be generous in the true sense. To the world, generosity means, quote, unquote, giving away in the sense of, quote-unquote, giving up. To the teachers of God, it means, quote-unquote, giving away in order to keep. This has been emphasized throughout the text and the workbook, for it is perhaps more alien to the thinking of the world than many other ideas in our curriculum. Its greater strangeness lies merely in the obviousness of its reversal of the world's thinking. In the clearest way possible and at the simplest of levels, the word means the exact opposite to the teachers of God and to the world. Thank you, Harrison. And Sarah. The teacher of God is generous out of self-interest, capital S, self-interest. This does not refer, however, to the self of which the world speaks. The teacher of God does not want anything he cannot give away (laughs) because he realizes it would be valueless to him by definition. What would he want it for? He could only lose because of it. He could not gain. Therefore, he does not seek what only he could keep because that is a guarantee of loss. He does not want to suffer. Why should he ensure himself pain? But he does want to keep for himself all things that are of God, and therefore for his Son. These are the things that belong to him. These he can give away in true generosity, protecting them forever for himself. Thank you, Sarah. And Lana. Take patience. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is certain outcome. At a time perhaps unknown as yet, but not in doubt. The time will be as right as is the answer. And this is true for everything that happens now or in the future. The past as well held no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen. Perhaps it was not understood at the time. Even so, the teacher of God is willing to reconsider 
all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. Patience is natural to those who trust. Sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time, no outcome already seen or yet to come can cause them fear. Thank you, Lana. And Robin Marie. Faithfulness, 21. The extent of the teacher of God's faithfulness is the measure of his advancement in the curriculum. Does he still select some aspects of his life to bring to his learning while keeping others apart? If so, his advancement is limited and his trust not yet firmly established. Faithfulness is the teacher of God's trust in the word of God to set all things right, not some, but all. Generally, his faithfulness begins by resting on just some problems, remaining carefully limited for a time. To give up all problems to one capital A answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And that alone is faithfulness. Nothing but that really deserves the name. Yet each degree, however small, is worth achieving. Readiness, as the text notes, is not mastery. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Jennifer. True faithfulness, however, does not deviate. Being consistent is wholly honest. Being unswerving, it is full of trust. Being based on fearlessness, it is gentle. Being certain, it is joyous. Being confident, it is tolerant. The faithlessness attends it naturally in joy is its condition. Faithfulness then combines in itself the other attributes of God's teaches. It implies acceptance of the word of God and his definition of his son. It is to them that faithfulness in the true sense is always directed toward toward them it looks seeking until it finds and having found it rests in quiet certainty on that alone to which all faithfulness is due thank you jennifer and jessica I'm doing the first paragraph of faithfulness. Well, I think first paragraph of open mindedness. Oh, thank you, Harrison. <laughs> I just I'm sorry, mute. Yeah, oh, okay. 23. Yeah. Okay, I had to do something. Um, okay, 23. 
Really? That's open-mindedness. Yes, open-mindedness. Oh, okay. We just read okay, faithfulness. Sorry. Okay. That wonderful prime oh, number twenty-three. Sorry. You know, I, I can't. I I have this weird thing that happens when you say we're going to do it in reverse order, where I think <laughs> we're reading the paragraphs backwards up, and that's why I was going up. Okay. Twenty-three. <laughs> okay. The centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last of the attributes of the teacher that the teacher of God acquires, is easily understood when its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the world against God's teacher, so open-mindedness invites him to come in. As condemnation judges the Son of God as evil, so open-mindedness permits him to be judged by the voice for God on his behalf. As the projection of guilt upon him would send him to hell, so open-mindedness lets Christ's image be projected on him. Only the open-minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. Thank you, Jessica. And Karen. 24. How do the open-minded forgive? They have let go all things that would prevent forgiveness. They have, in truth, abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy so glorious they could never have conceived of such a change. Nothing is now as it formerly was. Nothing but sparkles now, which seemed so dull and lifeless before. And above all are all things welcoming, for threat is gone. No clouds remain to hide the face of Christ. Now is the goal achieved. Forgiveness is the final goal of the curriculum. It paves the way for what goes far beyond all learning. The curriculum makes no effort to exceed its legitimate goal. Forgiveness is the single, its single aim at which all learning ultimately converges. It is indeed enough. Thank you, Karen and Lori. You may have noticed that the list of attributes of God's teachers does not include things, those things which are the son of God's inheritance. Terms like love and sinlessness, perfection, knowledge, and eternal truth do not appear in this context. They would be most inappropriate here. What God has given is so far beyond our curriculum that learning but disappears in its presence. Yet while its presence is obscured, the focus properly belongs on the curriculum. It is the function of God's teachers to bring true learning to the world. Properly speaking, it is unlearning that they bring. 
That is true learning in the world. It is given to the teachers of God to bring the glad tidings of complete forgiveness to the world. Blessed indeed are they, for they are the bringers of salvation. Amen. Indeed, amen. And thank you all for reading that twice, three times. And uh, we are a little ways past the top of the hour, so uh, I will ask again, uh, is there anyone who's willing to lead us in a reflection of our lesson for the day? Lesson 341, and and perhaps touch in with uh, our new thought, what is a miracle? if there's no other volunteer. Okay. Sounds good, Laurie. Oh, what a privilege. Um, uh, it's no small thing that what is a miracle is right here towards the end of the workbook. What is a miracle? A miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. It undoes error, but does not attempt to go beyond perception nor exceed the function of forgiveness. Thus, it stays within time's limits, yet it paves the way for the return of timelessness and love's awakening. Or fear must slip away under the gentle remedy it gives. Miracle contains the gift of grace, for it is given and received as one, illustrating the law of truth the world does not obey because it fails entirely to understand its ways. A miracle inverts perception, which was upside down before, Thus it ends the strange distortions that were manifest. Now is perception open to truth. Now is forgiveness seen as justified. Forgiveness is the home of miracles. The eyes of Christ deliver them to all they look upon in mercy and in love. Perception stands corrected in his sight. And what was meant to curse has come to bliss. Each lily of forgiveness offers the world the silent miracle of love and each is laid before the word of God upon the universal altar to creator and creation in the light of perfect purity and endless joy. It's taken first on faith because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand. Yet faith will bring its witnesses to show that it rested on is really there. And thus the miracle will justify your faith in it and show that it rested on a world more real than what you saw before. A world redeemed. 
from what you thought you saw. In lesson 341, I can attack but my own sinlessness and it is only that which keeps me safe. Our Father, your Son is holy. I am he on whom you smile in love and tenderness so deep and dear and still the universe smiles back on you and shares your holiness. How pure, how safe, how sacred then are we abiding in your smile with all your love bestowed upon us, living one with you in brotherhood and fatherhood complete in sinlessness so perfect that the Lord of sinlessness conceives us as his son, a universe of thought completing him. Let us not then attack our sinlessness, for it contains the word of God to us, and in its kind reflection are we saved. We'll rest in this thought. Rest still five minutes.
Lesson 341 I can attack but my own sinlessness, and it is only that which keeps me safe. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. Good morning, it's Karen. I can attack but my own sinlessness. My sinlessness is my um, extending God. It's my emptiness. It's my open-mindedness. It's my lack of judgment, fear, guilt. It's, it's an expansive, open place, and I am safe in that place because God is flowing through me. But if my mind shifts to something else, to a judgment or to a fear or to a guilt or to an attack, which are all ultimately attack thoughts, even separation is an attack thought, then my invulnerability is attacked. It's the flow of the divine that protects me is um, distorted or obscured or blocked or contracted. So in my innocence, which is the same as my sinlessness, I'm just open. I'm at peace. I can be in the patience that it said that it was speaking of in the um, the quality of God's teachers because, because I have a trust that God is flowing through me and I don't need to know anything and I don't need to have a plan. I can be in complete faith that if I can just keep going back to the place where the Holy Spirit flows through me, I don't need to do anything. I don't, I don't need to know anything. I don't need to have a plan. It's, it's absolute um, safety and, and no attack whatsoever. It's just expansiveness. So each of the qualities of um, God's teachers comes back to that openness. And, it, and one of the qualities was open-mindedness, which is also another way of saying I don't have judgment. I don't have any um, preconceived idea of how things are supposed to be. I don't have to know. In fact, it's like an art form because there's no rote answer for every situation. The only answer, and it said there's only one answer to all problems, and that's turning it over to the Holy Spirit and going into the the silence, the stillness, the inner altar, and offering it there. That's the one and only answer to all of life. There's nothing else. Nothing to acquire. Nothing to give up. Oh. Thank you for letting me share and complete. That was beautiful, Karen. Just beautiful. Lovely description of waking up. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. That was beautiful. 
Good morning, this is Jennifer. And last night I was trying to catch up because I wasn't on the call yesterday. And I was reading through and I was guided um, by um, Christ within or the Holy Spirit, whichever one, last night to do so. Now, I'm not a reader, so I only read with you guys, basically. Um, But to be guided, hey, look at this. I want you to go. And so I started reading what are the characteristics of God's teachers so I could catch up for this morning. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm trust. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, Honesty, uh, that was a big one. Uh, Honesty, I... Well, they all are big ones. They're all, <clears throat> and there's a, they're a segue, so I'm seeing one to the other. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I am not honest. And I'm not trusting, and I don't have a lot of tolerance. Uh, I have a bit of gentleness, a lot of joy. Um, I'm generous. But I just thought, to the true definition, patience, not so much. Open-mindedness, well, I'm here. <laughs> so um, what is my point? Um, my point is, is well, I, I really need to be here. I want to be here. And, um, boy, I, I have a lot to um, look at and read through this. And I'm really grateful. This really speaks to me. And I look forward to all your shares and <clears throat> how... Um, these paragraphs uh, are integrating into your life, and and I'm interested in your your example of what how that looks. Uh, with that, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. That's brilliant openness. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. And uh yeah, don't don't sell yourself short there. I think you've experienced a lot of trust and um other things from you, faithfulness, open mindedness. Um but as it says there in today's reading, uh, as the text notes, readiness is not mastery. <laughs> but thank you for your expression of readiness and willingness there. <laughs> thank you, morning. You're sweet. Morning, this is Sandra, and I just want to thank you, Jennifer, for doing that little inventory, because <laughs> I find that I have to do inventories constantly, and um, they're very helpful. They help me to know what I'm supposed to turn over to Holy Spirit and what I need to forgive in myself or in others. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. 
Thank you, Sandra. I'm so glad to hear you on the call. Yes, thank you, Sandra. Welcome back. Good to you. I've been thinking a lot about that lately, too. The, You know, in the 12-step program, we do it a 10-step, which is a daily inventory. At the end of the day, you know, consider all that's happened, all that you've experienced, and, um, you know, see where you're selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, and dishonest, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> but... um it was it, it was fun fun yesterday on the call for me and um, it brought um, back um, many tools that we use that we have available to us and you know things that we learn from books um, things that we learn from others the whole idea of of, of being taught and open mindedness and, and willingness to learn learn what's the truth about you today you know. Um, I'm not who I think I am, certainly. Um, the whole um, idea of being a sacred and holy and completely pure, um, innocent light in the, in the mind of God is just, you know, something just beyond, beyond, beyond um, anything that Judy can conceive. And, and, and the Court says it so. You know, what we are is beyond our minds to comprehend, and so it is um, until I recognize all that I'm not, all that I'm not, the image, body image, the, the self-concept that I've, I've constructed around the body image and its relationship to everything being other than the me and being outside of me and um, learning what it means to look through the body's eyes and through perception and understanding what it means to come to the end of learning, which is, you know, the end of learning, all the, or unlearning all the world has taught me. Anyways, um, it's a great lesson today. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Hi. Thank you. I'm finding that, you know, as I put in these thoughts into my mind and um, every day listen to all of you and read these wonderful messages that um, I have faith that it will prepare me for whatever is ahead and... um, and if I stub my toe, that I am forgiven. And it's pretty wonderful when you think of it that way. Uh, my friend uh, wrote me this morning and said, sometimes all people c- can do is breathe, and that not very well. Love you. And... As some of you know, he's got COPD and he's in the last stages of that. And just his strength to be able to say, I love you, at the end of that sentence is so beautiful. It's raining here. Can you hear it? 
thank you all. <laughs> thank you, Robert Marie. <laughs> thank you, Robert Marie. Very much. Hi, guys. Yeah. This is Jessica. Sorry, I had to. Um, I had to get off the phone for a while because someone's coming over. I had to get ready. Um, but I obviously didn't hear the shares, but I appreciate them anyway because they're floating through the air. But I did want to point out something that struck me kind of funny. In paragraph 23, uh, open-mindedness, there's a sentence, because th- th- I read that paragraph, there's a sentence, open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. And I just thought that was really funny because, you know, the world thinks, oops, the world thinks lack of judgment is a bad thing. Um, And I just really, I welcome a different way of looking at it. I mean, I've, I've always had a somewhat different way of looking at, quote unquote, lack of judgment. But I haven't had this particular way of looking at it. So I'm going to very much enjoy applying this open-mindedness attribute when I see lack of judgment. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jessica. Go, Jessica. I love that paragraph, too. (laughs) Thanks, Jessica. Yeah. The world judges the world judges open mindedness as bad simply because it lacks judgment. <laughs> Lack of judgment is bad. Uh, the thing of judging judgment uh, the sign of uh, addiction, I think. Anyway, thank you, Jessica. This is Jennifer, and in in faithfulness, there was a sentence um, that I really liked as well. It's to to give up all problems to the one capital A answer is to reverse the thinking of the world entirely. And in my heart, I feel like everyone has that opportunity, including myself that if I want to truly just give everything to spirit in this moment, um, I'm capable of doing that. And I believe everybody is capable of doing that um, when they're ready.
Thank you, Jennifer. I kind of, this is Jennifer again, I, I just thought, well, what does that look like? Uh, and I thought, it would be like I'm walking on a um, a tight line or wire, and in order to stay on course, just releasing everything, um, I would need you guys so that when my mind forgets, or waivers, as long as I'm on clock, on duty, observing to the best of my ability, what is my mind thinking? What am I doing? And when I need help, I ask for help from you guys, whoever is around that I'm being guided to, that I can stay on the line and walk it and like, a, like a razor's edge. And um, that's that was the visual. I just needed a visual and I wanted to communicate that, that it's possible with each other. I appreciate that, Jennifer. Thank you. Sometimes we need, sometimes we need those visuals, don't we? Um... Which is, you know, a, a, a story and a visual to me is uh, a lot like a miracle. doesn't really change anything, um, but it causes, when it arrives, it brings in its wake something seen differently by my mind. It looked this way and now it looks this way. Something happened. Uh, as a consequence of something. And what is that consequence of something? Uh, but forgiveness. You know, miracles are always there, he says in the principles. Miracles are always there, shining, uh, waiting to be seen. And that's why... Um, you know, he says, you hear but your own voice, and when Christ speaks through you, you will hear him. And that's often how I hear him. I hear him, I hear him when I hear myself say, forgiveness and miracles walk hand in hand. They're hand in glove, one to the other. Where one is, the other one always is. They're the side of the coin that is forgiveness. I don't know stuff like that. Me, I don't know stuff like that, but um, when I hear it, then I do. And um, it was only about seven years ago. I thought, why did this? Why does? Why is this called a course in miracles? I heard myself say that too. Why is this called a course in miracles? And maybe another way of saying forgiveness is a way of. Um, a way to say it is to ask instead of tell. 
you know, uh, ego, of course, goes around telling everything. <laughs> it knows it all. Um, but when I get in the habit of asking instead of telling, um, a lot of shifts can happen there. And I think that's why it's this beautiful section on characteristics with properly speaking, it is unlearning. They bring Properly speaking, it is unlearning the teachers of God bring. And um, eventually, everyone learns how to see things right. He says that. That's a promise. Eventually, we all learn to see things right. And um, to see things right is... Um, I'll tell you what it is to me today. Lori used to project onto the world everything she didn't like. If I didn't like it in myself, then I projected it onto the world. If there was something in my mind I didn't like, then I attributed that to something in the world. There's a great reversal that happens when I start to understand that projection the way the Holy Spirit sees it, projection the way the Holy Spirit is, sees it is to uh, extend the truth. And that's why he says you always, 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 always choose between your weakness and the strength of Christ in you. Always. That's the choice between my weakness and the strength of Christ in you. Years ago, you know, I had a lot of little kids and I taught Sunday school to them over the years. And, and I would say to them, Jesus makes this promise. It's this, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I have come, and it's so that you can have life and have it abundantly. Participate in my resurrection, the Course in Miracles says. This, this whole beautiful section starts out with talking about the wings of a sparrow and the wings of an eagle, you know? And, and when I let my mind be transformed through the release of all my mistaken ideas. What I'm doing is accepting the atonement for myself, releasing my mind from my own mistaken ideas. I went around flying with the wings of a sparrow, but he says in this work, I've come to teach you to associate misery with the ego and joy with the soul. Unlearning I bring is the recognition that everything I thought was wrong. I was just wrong. That's why a miracle is a correction. It doesn't change or alter anything. It shows me that what I saw before I was mistaken in. What I, what I mistakenly did was I confused seeing with judging. And those two things became simultaneous by mistake. Seeing and judging turned out to be one and the same to my mistaken idea. I look, I judge. It's so fast, it, it's, it's imperceptible to the mind that looks that way. 
and it locks me into this body behind my own eyes. Where am I if I'm behind my eyes? You know, looking and judging, looking and judging, projecting everything I don't want onto the world and failing to see it at all. Where's abundance now? But in this, this reading, playing with wings of a sparrow versus wings of an eagle, I'm invited to let miracles light my mind. Where, where do miracles light but my mind? They don't fall onto the world. They light my mind. And with light in my mind, the veil, the veil over the face of Christ, the condemnation that blinded me to all the beauty in the world, is lifted for me. I don't do that. But as a consequence of allowing that to happen, did you notice somewhere in here, there it is right there in paragraph 24, they have let go all things that prevent forgiveness. They have let go all things that prevent forgiveness. I mean, how many years did I go around? I did. I, I went around for, for 10 years thinking I can forgive everything, but not this, not this, not this. My mind had an iron grip on that betrayal. And I wasn't going to let it go. I prayed to let it go. <laughs> I prayed to let it go. Um, bought a little plaque to put in front of me all the time. Lori, trust me, I have everything in control, Jesus. But I held an iron grip on that one betrayal. And I wouldn't release. But here it says, and I said to myself, I mean, I knew the Course in Miracles. I knew forgiveness was way out. I knew that. I knew that. Oh, God, let me forgive this thing. You know, how many images did I call up trying to find light in that picture? And I couldn't. And I, I, this one here, right here, could not. But he says, I've, I want you to, I want you to see the cost of sleeping and refuse to pay it. That's what the teacher of God is. Have learned the cost of sleeping and refuse to pay it. Refuse to pay it. Refuse to pay it. Learn the cost of sleeping, Lori. And, and, and when you do, forgiveness will light your world. Forgiveness will light that, that person. That betrayal will have become something just like he says in paragraph 20. Did you notice that? I want to read it. Paragraph 20. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait. Here's my release right here. I'll tell you. This was it. And wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is a certain outcome at a time perhaps unknown yet. You see how patience leads to faithfulness? A certain outcome a certain outcome okay tell me where I can hang on God because I just can't release this thought you tell me where I can hang on and that's what patience does at a time not in doubt I so love the way you said that Jennifer the time will be right as right as the answer and this is true for everything that happens now <clears throat> or in the future I can't get to the fact, and here it says right there in that sentence, it's a fact. The past, 
as well held no mistakes. The past as well held no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as me to whom it seemed to happen. I don't know how to get there. Perhaps it was not understood at the time, even so. Teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions. If they're causing pain to anyone, well, I was sure in pain. Patience is natural to those who trust. There's my anchor, sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time. No outcome already seen or yet to come can cause them fear. I had to go back to atonement, you see. I had to go back to atonement and recognize, just like he said, I can't take your fear from you. I can't take your fear from you. But I can show you what perfect love is. Just like in today's lesson, I can show you what perfect love is. I, Jesus, your friend, can show you what it's like to live in the light of his smile, sure of your perfection. I can show you what it's like to pay a cost you don't want to pay, condemnation, you don't want to pay that cost. And so, I'll tell you how I survived. It was infinite patience bring, brings immediate effect because it calls on perfect love. Infinite patience brings immediate effect because it calls on infinite love. And infinite love produces results now. That's what forgiveness is and that's what a miracle is right there in that sentence. Why is it called person miracles because every single time I let go all things that prevent forgiveness a miracle lights my mind and eventually I learned the cost of sleeping and refused to pay eventually I learned that everything I taught myself was a mistake <laughs> and um, and turned to the one who shows me what it means have life and have it abundantly. All of these characteristics of God's teachers are a consequence of trusting the power that is in me but not of me. And that's why lesson 159 is a perfect lesson for today. It's a perfect fallback position for why today's lesson is true. I give the miracles I have received the light that lights my mind. Um, shows me how everything I thought was wrong and how the Spirit of God's Son can project through me through the law of extension and project the face of Christ upon the world. I'm complete. So glad I caught that. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. God, I want to, I want to share, but I got this pounding on my roof. If it's too too bad, please let me know. The, um, you know, I was just thinking that about the light, 
And, you know, for the longest time I couldn't understand how um, looking through Christ's eyes or vision or um, c- could be could be shared until, you know, the practicing of it and and um, listening listening in stillness and quietness to the voice, the capital voice. And Lori, you've been speaking a lot of it lately. That um, hearing that is my voice and seeing that is my eyes. Um, seeing through those eyes is being my eyes, is being myself, and um, that's when that that holiness, that that sense of holiness and sacredness and reverence for everything really started to um, illuminate itself, its self-luminosity. And, um, you know, it, you know, I hear you say that a lot, Laura, that, you know, you thought of it as, you know, seeing lights around stuff. And, and it really, it's so weird to, because you can't describe the experience of it. And you don't, I don't really know whether my eyes are seeing the light or if it's, if it's beyond what my body's eyes can see. Because certainly listening to the one voice is beyond what my body's ears can hear. But the, um, the lesson today in that only I can attack my sinlessness is, it's really just gives me a, 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 a bit of distance from you know, the relinquishment of the residuals of the ego mind that's still thinking in, you know, the body of Judy. You know, it's it's residual, it's old, it's habitual. And I can recognize how, or recognize it, how easily I can recognize it. And, you know, I, I try, I'm trying just to have fun with it. I, I've got this word fundamental, the, you know, that the thoughts of God are loving thoughts, period. You know, it's simple. To forgive is to be forgiven, period, simple. And the elegance and the simplicity of the truth that it's everywhere, all the time, no exception, period, simple, elegant. And that, you know, there's no place where I can go where where God doesn't go with me because God is within me. God is me. And there's no place I can go where he is not because he is in everything. And, you know, the consistency, the ever-present um, omniscience um, and power of love that holds the whole universe of all these thoughts and ideas together is, is in the lesson today. Universe of thoughts and how the universe smiles back on ourselves in our holiness. I open perchance the way I open the book in the morning to um, God walks with me in perfect holiness today. <laughs> you know, and, and some of the revelations that I got when I just opened the book last night that were particularly intimately personal and meaning to Judy. And how that happens is, is by Judy being completely honest about her egoic mind. And, and it, it comes to seeing the falsity of it, how it didn't work, how all those um, what we call character defects in the 12-step inventory process, you know, fear and anger are the root of them all, and how pride, arrogance, envy, jealousy, shame and guilt and blame, all that um, is 
the, the workings of the thoughts of the ego. And to see that they stop thinking that way, it's like, well, there it goes again. It's like, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I thought it was like, but <laughs> they're just smelly thoughts, they're stinky thoughts. And, um, you know, the mind, the ideas don't leave the, the source came to mind um, in reading the lesson today, that I can't attack the mind of God. It's perfect. And it doesn't think, it doesn't know anything other than itself. It's perfect. And in its perfection and in its holiness, sin is not a thought. Pain is not a thought. Disease is not a thought. It doesn't exist. They're non-existent thoughts that don't exist in the mind of God. And sin, sick, sickness, suffering, death, all these things are, are something that a mind separate from God imagined. Why? I don't know. It's beyond me. But um, the Course has taught me to discern the falsity of uh, an image of, that we made in our desire to be separate and experience separation, um, forgetting who we are um, was necessary in order to do it. And the, the aim and the goal for us, the whole purpose of the world and the whole universe is to smile back on us and say, you can't forget who you are. Don't be a fool. <laughs> you fool, Jude. <laughs> The whole universe and everybody in the world is your friend and loves you. And only the ego would say otherwise because ego's at war with it and wants to slice it and dice it and say it's something it's not, including Judy and her body. Judy can have a body without losing the sense of her, the immensity and the magnitude of her totality. Her mind hasn't changed, it's changeless. Her soul hasn't changed. It's changeless, perfect in its purity and its innocence and its light. So I'm just really loving loving the Course Large. And all the words, every single word in it is, is starting to point back to the truth for me, that the, there's truth in every single word of it. Yes, there is truth in every single thing I see and everything single thing I hear and I I can't believe it the roofers stopped for me <laughs> I am complete <laughs> thank you Judy thanks Judy yeah that was fun mm-hmm this is Jessica and um you know, I, I've been in and out, but um, I heard what you said, Lori, about that section where <laughs> I am looking for it right now, where he says, like, everything that's happened, can um, everything, wait, is it, which paragraph is that in? Um, 20. That everything, 20? Okay. Um, because I had the same reaction. And the thing is, um, let's see, it's, a, it's about patience. Patience is natural. Uh, this is 
the time will be as right as is the answer. And this is true for everything that happens now or in the future. The past as well held no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen. Perhaps it was not understood at the time, even so the teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. So, okay, well, that goes into a little different part of it. But, um, you know, what it, what I, you know, because I've had what Lana would call so many body adventures, not, not in the first part of my life. They really didn't come around until um, after, you know, I don't know. Well, I guess I got breast cancer in when I was 50. Five, and so that was sort of the big. I mean, I guess I had a few. I, like we all have some body stuff at different times, of course. No average amount, you know. But since then, it's been a lot. And um, and reading this is just wonderful because, like, you know, I, you guys know I recently broke my foot, and of course, part I shouldn't say of course, but part of my reaction to that was, oh, my God, I did something again to myself. And then when they said six to eight weeks in a boot, I was like, oh, my God, what did I do to myself? And, you know, it's this distorted view of what the Course teaches about. I put it there because I want it there. And, yes, on some level, there is some truth to that. But the real deepest truth is that I'm learning powerful lessons uh, about and, you know, I'm lying around and I can't do any exercise. I can walk not very much. And so, you know, I'm, I'm doing more painting, which is great, but I'm also doing more, um, like, thinking about, thinking about my thoughts or paying attention to them. And noticing them because I'm less active and less distracted. You know, I can't go to the pool and I can't go hopping around all over creation like I like to do. Um, and this has been part of the process. You know, every quote-unquote body adventure brings with it different gifts. But this is one. This is the gift of this one. I mean, I also, you know, some people may remember I had a broken arm. And um, I, I had two hip replacements. So, you know, all of those times, it wasn't six to eight weeks. It was less than that, but it, it was, it was um, full stop, you know. Okay, sit down. You can't drive. Stay home. You can't do this. You can't run around like a crazy person and be all like, la-di-da, which is all wonderful. But, and also the message, or not the message, but the the result of being more immobilized is I can't take care of people as much. I mean, I sort of have been on a path of taking care of people less anyway, because I love taking care of people, but I also don't want to be a people pleaser. Anyway, you're hearing my whole life story, but um, but this this sentence here, Lori, that you highlighted is really beautiful, and I maybe should write it down, although if anybody else sees it, they'll think I'm crazy. <laughs> so maybe I'll just write it down and 
in a, inside my desk somewhere um, because it, it's like it's a gift, as everything is a gift. And thank you so much for listening to me. I'm complete. Oh, that was really beautiful, Jessica. Really beautiful. What a, what a great example of how thoughts make my inner weather. Um, I really loved hearing that today. <clears throat> and the other thing that um, you highlighted for me is, um, again, that sentence, even the past... Even the past, <clears throat> even the past held no mistakes. Even the past held no mistakes. Tomorrow we're going to talk about healing. And the essence of healing is exactly that. Even the past held no mistakes. In the same way that Rumi says, the wound is where the light gets in, um, my mind can come to realize that even the past that so wounded me served. It served, and it served me well. Because it was only as a consequence of that that my mind condemned uh, that resulted in the healing of my mind. Even the past held no mistakes. And um, when I can say... When I can say with Holy Spirit, I'm thankful. Thankful even for that. In fact, I'm really, really, really thankful even for that. I can uh, get an idea about my healed mind. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. This is Ida. Yes, thank um, you, Lori. I was considering the fact that, you know, it's, the ego always perceives things from its own personal point of view and, you know, the whole use of the ego's time and and things taking time in place in, in a locality at a certain time and, and maintaining its continuity of its lessons. And, you know, that the lesson, the universal call is the lesson that we learn to hear the universal call, which is always present everywhere and in everything equally equally given god god has given himself equally to everything evenly no one's got any more nobody's got any less nothing special or different and that is the universal call that we learn to hear that it's light pure one light that it, it that capital that is what it is and to, to step back. Thank you, Dizzy. Huh? Um, yeah, you may be thinking of time because it is that time. And, okay, great. And, and yeah, but, and, but Ida has chimed in. If you're there, Ida, do you have something you'd like to say before we end the call? Or the recording, rather. Um, thank you, Lemoyne. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of it's early for me here, but um, I was just saying I really like what you guys have emphasized, um, Jessica and Lori, that 
in past held no mistakes. Uh, I'm tempted as an ego to believe it did hold mistakes and very grave mistakes in our world and um, and mistakes in my own life. Um, like divorcing my husband. But who knows? If I hadn't divorced him and moved out here to Arizona, maybe I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. Maybe I would have found some other group for A Course in Miracles, or maybe I wouldn't even be studying A Course in Miracles, even though I started before I came out here. But I wasn't really into it that much, you know, back then in the late 80s. So, it, and he wouldn't have married the wonderful woman that he ended up marrying, that he's been with twice as long as he was with me, more than twice as long, you know. It will be 20 years next year. She's a great gal. I love her. But uh, let the past held no mistakes. I just appreciate that idea, especially today. Uh, I needed to hear that. Thank you so much. I'm complete. Oh, that's sweet, Ida. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you. That was really beautiful, and it was so sweet how you just, you know, mm-hmm. let Judy share and that after you had started. It was so lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Ida. And, uh, yes, I love what you said about your ex-husband and his wife. <laughs> beautiful. Thank you, Ida. It's good to hear from you. Thanks, Jennifer. It's good to be heard. (laughs) We hear H-E-A-R truly with our heart. H-E-A-R-T. I'm complete. (laughs) Yay! I love it when you do that. Thank you, Ida. Yeah, I think I, I think I want to follow that. This thing, the past as well held no mistake. Um, even so, the teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they are causing pain to anyone. And it's easy in this thing of the world and separation to think, well, that the pain is being caused to someone else. But really, I mean, the real decisions that limit the ability, I would uh, say maybe a little bit more about this, but turn the the way into a tightrope, because I know I've experienced that. And, and, uh, People focus on that scripture that the the way is very narrow, right? Um, but this decision that on one side there's ice, which is like pure separation, being completely alone and nothing happening, and on the other, you know, are absolutely rejected. And on the other side is fire, 
which is just like, you know, constant conflict or being pulled apart by all the demands of the world, that those those are decisions which, you know, all those appearances are decisions that we've made about the way the world is. Those are decisions that cause pain first to ourselves, right? And this is, in a sense, a return to the lesson that we can only attack our own sinlessness. And and that must occur. I think that must occur before we so willingly spread it around. But... <clears throat> You know, I think the reconsideration he's asking for here, when he says anyone, I know it includes <laughs> me who made the decision, right? So it is just, it's like, we don't have to look for where the, the things that are buried in the subconscious, they will come up in any situation that produces upset that is the upset is because of the failed expectation or a thwarted intention, some decision that I'm clinging to as an idol that I view as more important than what's actually in front of me and around me, the other people, the, the children of God that are right there in front of me. But, you know, be willing to reconsider all the past decisions if they're causing pain to myself is really, I think, where you can start to see that, you know, the image of the way as a tightrope is, is, is just like the beginning of the self-judgment or the falling away and and but still it's there projected on everything and it is <laughs> that all these other images of the the that tightrope appear you know maybe it's laying on the floor it's still kind of hard to walk on even laying on the floor but it's a guideline you know it's a way to go and it doesn't matter which way you go along it, because it has one source and one destination. Another way to think of it is like, at some point, it feels like I have to hang on to it or I'll just drift away. And, uh, and you know, really, I think it's like a thread in Indra's net or... Um, you know, all those guidelines are woven together in some kind of rattan welcome mat at the gate of heaven. And, uh, you know, the end is certain. Uh, the answer is there. And the way, <laughs> I think the way is plain. And, and it's actually... It's actually fairly broad and 
easy to follow if I just let go of the past decisions to cause pain to myself and others. And I'll, I'll stop there. And uh, thank you all for being here and sharing. It's been wonderful. And for reading. And uh, I'll end the recording, but not the call. So on we go. Thank you, LeMoyne. Eve. Whoops. My bad. Wrong hand again. Oops.